0: We are here with the Forecast F1 podcast in the race weekend where Red Bull and Max Verstappen shatter all records and also the race weekend where Daniel Ricciardo makes his return to F1 after a 10 race absency. I'm joined by Samantha who will be analyzing this weekend with us. How are you doing Samantha?
1: I'm doing well. It was a really great race weekend I think and I'm looking forward to talking about it.
0: Awesome. We're also joined by perhaps Danny Rick's largest fan from Mexico. Carmen, bienvenido. Great that you're here. How was your race weekend?
2: Oh, it was so exciting to finally see Daniel back on track. Um, it, was, it was great. I, I, had, I had a really, really good time. So I'm really happy I'm here to discuss it.
0: Yeah, we're also very happy that you're on here with us. Samantha, I think it would be good if you introduced this race weekend with us by talking a little bit about the track.
1: So let's get into it this race weekend took place in hungary at the hungaro ring and there are 14 turns on the track itself there's two drs zones and it is typically a tough track to overtake now it is here to stay for a considerable period of time because they also announced this weekend that there is a contract extension extended to 2032 and i'll also say that the weekend attendance was there was, there was a lot of people at the track this weekend. Over 303,000 attended for this weekend.
0: And what do we guys think about the extension for another eight years? Are you happy that it stays on the calendar, Carmen?
2: I actually like the track. I, like, I'm technically a new everyone fan, but the races I've watched there, I, I really enjoy it. Like I don't know if, if maybe it's because I've only seen... Three races there, but I I actually like it.
0: Yeah, I also think it's a good track to have on the calendar. It's a little bit different from most of the other tracks. Like people are saying, Monaco without the walls, and I actually think that it's it's not even getting close. I mean, it, it's a similar type of track, but I think it's actually much more exciting to watch than Monaco on average, and it also favors different. Type of setups, different types of cars, um, which which makes it very different to, for example, the Silverstone weekend that we had uh, uh, two weeks ago, and also I think will be quite different, for example, to Spa. So I like the track; it's it's quite different from from a lot of the other ones, and uh, for that reason, I'm I'm quite happy to to see it being extended.
1: Agreed. I think that also sometimes that track in itself you see some surprises on the podium and that's always something that's entertaining to watch last year if we remember it was Esteban who actually won at the Hungarian Grand Prix and that was to me during 2022 one of the most exciting races of the season
0: the only thing is that it wasn't 21, but other than that, you're right. <laughs> oh,
1: right. <laughs> my numbers have been so jumbled today. 2021, my apologies, everybody. <laughs> yeah. But
0: that was a, that was a very exciting weekend. Indeed. I think, uh, it was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we should also mention there was a change this weekend, uh, when it comes to the tires themselves. So first of all, typically 13, there was actually 11 sets of tires that could be utilized for this race weekend and qualifying itself we saw a difference uh during q1 all drivers had to use hards q2 mediums q3 softs uh and Tom, what did you think about this strategical decision let's say
0: well i guess it's a trial to see if it's something that they want to apply uh, more often or or you know always uh, probably because of you know saving tires uh, you're going to have to produce less tires so in that sense it's it's The idea behind it is good, but um, I do think that, for example, in Hungary, you know, the the tire or track temperatures are usually quite high. So I think over here, it's not as much of an issue if it's not raining. So um, I think it could be a little bit more disastrous on other tracks where the track is much colder and people are going to have to go out on hard tires in, in, in Q1. I think that... Uh, because uh, yeah, like you were mentioning it's it's a reduction of the amount of tires, but with the goal of having this set up, yeah in the in the qualifying session, so using the hards on 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 q one and the mediums in q two, I think um a couple of drivers have been complaining about it as well. um I don't know i I think it it might not work, but I do think it's good that we make these sort of trials uh, because if we don't, you'll never know if it works, yes or no. in the end, um you know everyone has to deal with the same. Uh, situation and with the t- same tire setup, So it's, um, yeah, I, you know, I think it's uh, interesting to see what it does. And I, I'm not decided yet. I don't think you can tell just from one race weekend, whether it works. Yes or not. Uh, I don't know if you, what would do you two think?
2: Um, at the end, it's it, um, you know, it's evolution. You, you have to have trials, just like sprint races, so. Maybe there's going to be more of it. As, as Anton said, uh, you cannot just tell by one race if it's going to work or not. I, I actually thought it was going to mix up the grid a little bit more. And I mean, the Alpha Romeos were there, um, also the has. So I think it's probably going to get more interesting, but it definitely has to be in another racetrack. Like, I think it kind of did the job. And also talking about sustainability, so, like, producing less tires, it's better. But, yeah, I mean, I think we'll have to see, uh, like, see it uh, being, like, an experiment in other racetracks as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think we can collectively agree on the fact that it is something that we need to see continue to evolve to really make a judgment call as to whether or not it makes sense going forward to have continuously.
0: Yeah, and I think that, uh, well, Carmen, you just mentioned there the Alfa Romeos, and I think it's a good segue into qualifying and into Q1 because who was expecting Joe to, to top that session? I mean... That was that was something else, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. It definitely had a purpose. I think it was definitely great for mixing things up in like on the grid for 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 the start of the race. And I think Joe did it like amazing. It was it was great seeing it up there.
1: I agree. I think that it was really great to see Joe up there. I think that it was great to see overall the alphas. They've had a really challenging season so far. It seems like they've been struggling on the track continuously every weekend. So we saw them a little bit stronger during practice session as well. And then for them to come out in qualifying made it really exciting going into the race. There was a lot of hope and optimism that they were were going to have an opportunity to make a dent in terms of points.
0: True. I think uh, I think the whole qualifying session for Alfa Romeo was a big, uh, big success. Not so much for, uh, for, for Russell, who didn't make it out of Q1. Um, but did you, did you see how he was hampered a little bit by other cars lining up to make his last flying lap?
1: Yeah, that was, that was difficult for him, wasn't it? There was a lot of chaos on the track during Q1. So one of the things that I would mention is the fact that for the first time this season... Sines didn't make it to Q3, so he was knocked out and just missed it narrowly by 0.002 seconds by his teammate, Leclerc.
0: True. I think, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was tight though, but, um, uh, yeah. Shame for him. On the other hand, he has been having very good qualifying weekends so far. Um, or at least being able, I think only, was it only him and Alonso thus far that have made it into every Q3 session?
1: Yes, actually for Alonso, he now is the only driver to do that consistently this season.
0: Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, and other than that, uh, I think during qualifying, well, as we mentioned in the opening of the podcast, so we had Danny Rick back on the grid and I think in the practice sessions, it seemed as if he was just, uh, trying to catch up with uh, Tsunoda pretty close, but not, uh, the exact, well, not getting the same times as Tsunoda on the board, but then actually qualifying when it when it did matter he managed to make it into q2 with a car that uh, has been having a lot of issues getting into uh, into the q2 session so uh, so yeah congrats for for daniel
1: yeah yeah and we should also mention the fact that that car itself is set up for devries so he managed to get into a car he's obviously had a gap in space of time in terms of getting adjusted and being back on the track he was in a car that wasn't fit for him He's in the Tari, which we know is not reliable, as you've mentioned. And he still put on a decent qualifying result, I think. Carmen, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was, when it comes to Dan Rick, obviously, I'm quite optimistic. I try to be. Um, and I actually thought, like, seeing his laps, I thought he was actually going to try to make it out of Q2. So, it was it was pretty good. Also, as you said, Sam, um, he I don't know if you saw the um, the video where he's trying to get into the car, and it's so tiny. And he has to he's actually struggling to get into the car because it is for Nick, and I think their height difference is quite a lot. So it it was it was great. I I actually enjoy qualifying because of that. <laughs> Well, of course, another thing too, but um, I was very impressed by him and I think it was a great comeback.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a great start uh, to the rest of the season and we'll see where he shapes up, but it is interesting. Yeah, I I did see what you were mentioning, him having difficulty in the car.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, I think a couple of other drivers to mention that stood out in the qualifying session were, uh, well, we mentioned it, um, both Alfa Romeo's, but what I mentioned in the beginning was just uh, Joe topping Q1. But uh, but yeah, qualifying fifth and, and Bottas was seventh. I think that was also, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody had expected that. Um, uh, obviously, uh, most of the celebrations were centered around Hamilton taking pole. Um, which was, which was, and I guess we're going to get into that, but, um, but yeah, the Alfa Romeos uh, really did stand out for the first time, I think, during this year, which um, I think they got nine points thus far. And obviously it was quite a bit of a shame to see that in the race they didn't perform as, uh, as I guess they were hoping, but, uh, but qualifying session was, was really great for them. And um, so it was for the McLarens. I think that, um, uh, after silverstone there was a, a lot of upbeat feeling around mclaren uh, but uh, i personally was was wondering a lot whether they would be able to keep that form up here on a track that is quite different than the silverstone one but um, but they proved me wrong straight away uh, well norris was topping the q2 session and then uh, they they qualified p3 and, and p 4 so yeah uh, i think the i think the mclarens did a very good job there too um Perez on the other hand, um, well, for, first time out in a long time that he makes it into Q3, but then actually in Q3 only manages to put it on P9, which I guess making it into Q3 is good, but but a ninth position there is is slightly disappointing, if I may say so. And uh, we'd already seen him crash out in the in the first qual or sorry in the first practice session on the Friday. Uh, I think it took him less than a minute to find the wall, so. His his first two days of the of the weekend weren't weren't awesome, but um, but then I think well let's move on to uh, somebody that did have an awesome qualifying session. So how do you guys feel about uh, Hamilton setting it on pole?
2: I was so excited, honestly. <laughs> I I well like, you know my favorite driver is Daniel, but talking about teams, I'm definitely a Mercedes girl. And I was so excited to see Louis up there. I think you could clearly see that he needed that, um, like emotionally, especially because uh, I mean he, like literally, Bona told him like get in there, Louis, and he was crying. And it was so amazing to see like the old Louis back, or at least for qualifying, but. I was so happy for him and for all the team, and I think it was it was impressive. It was a great lap.
1: I think that it it was unfortunate that Russell missed out because the strength in the Mercedes it seemed going into out of practice and then going into qualifying they looked strong going into going into that session where they both could have done pretty well. For Hamilton, he he put on a flying lap and he just narrowly beat Verstappen by .003 seconds. So that's all it took, but it was what was needed in order for him to secure the pole. Doing that himself, he actually is now the only driver to have secured nine poles consecutively at the same circuit. So that track definitely works to his favor as well. At least he does well there. Uh, But again, it it was great to see somebody else securing pole this weekend. And I think for Hamilton, after the challenges that he's had recently, it's probably a very, it's its definitely a confident boost, I would imagine. And also for the team itself, with the struggles that they've had with the car and trying to find pace, putting them in a position like that. And we could see the elation on Toto's face after after they saw that he secured, that Hamilton secured pole.
0: True. And like you said, it was the slightest of margins. And, and also, actually, Norris was, was pretty close there, too, because it was only, I think it was seven or eight tenths that he was... Of Verstappen's time, and then uh, he did make uh, a bit of a gap between him and, and Piastri, but uh, but yeah, those three times were were again very very close, and that's that's awesome to see because the qualifying sessions so far this season have been very very close. Um, not just the first few positions, but basically the whole field is 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 close in almost every session. So to that extent, I think we're actually seeing a very, very exciting uh, season in terms of in terms of qualifying, even though Verstappen takes a lot of the polls. I also think that that sort of um, creates uh, the, the extra elation that you feel when you see somebody else being able to take it. You know, if it was somebody different every week, then you wouldn't feel what you felt now for Lewis taking poll. I think it was, uh, yeah, it was a great moment of excitement for uh, everybody, Lewis fans, obviously, but I think for a lot of people who are a fan of the sport, we're happy to see that it was that it was a Mercedes back there. Um actually, the funny thing is that last year it was a Mercedes too, wasn't it? Uh, it was Russell who was on pole there in Hungary. So in in general, the Mercedes are doing quite well uh, on this track. I, I I tend to agree.
1: I think the contrast as well between qualifying sessions you touched on there, the the difference between there's a there's a much shorter gap with teams themselves competing and qualifying than there is when the race occurs. The race occurs, there's obviously more of a gap, especially with Verstappen and the rest, of the, the rest of the grid. But during qualifying, we see time and time again that window so much shorter and it makes it that much more exciting. We go back to situations like Monaco and we can we can label a few qualifying sessions that have taken place over this season and they've just been that much more exciting to watch because really. At the end of the day, it's, it's, anybody's, it's, it's anybody's pull, possibly, and in this case, it was Hamilton's. Okay, so let's get into the race. One thing for certain that we saw this weekend was that tire strategy was paramount. Uh, pit stops were also paramount. And we'll obviously talk a little bit about those pit stops. Some were more lengthy, some definitely capitalized on the shorter. There were undercuts involved. But ultimately, I think that was the most critical piece involved in where drivers and where teams were positioned. Um, Anton, why don't we start with you? What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean in the end, uh, especially those starting on hard tires, which was only Russell and Paris, I mean it really paid off. They were lucky there wasn't no safety car or anything in, in the first part of the race. Well, neither was there in the second part, but um yeah, because of that they were able to um to really capitalize on, on, on starting on hards and um Uh, getting track position and and then rounding it off on... on, Well, both Russell and Paris went uh, to to two sets of mediums after that. I think um, there was a lot of talk of seeing three stops during the race beforehand. Uh, In the end, I think not a single team went to a three-stop strategy. Everybody was was on three tires, so made two stops. it was also interesting to see signs, for example, uh, starting on on softs and actually picking off quite a lot of cars in the beginning. Um, talking about the beginning of the race, it was quite uh, eventful on the first lap, where we saw uh, Joe not getting off the line. I think, yeah, like we were saying previously, he had such a good Saturday, but uh, his his Sunday started disastrous. And then when he did make it off his line, he yeah he basically. Uh, Bunched into well, he had a lock up and then and, and touched Danny Rick from behind who touched I'm not sure was it he touched Gasly and then Gasly touched Ocon or the other way around i the other way around the yeah. About, okay yeah well, yeah. I mean that was very disappointing for alpine as well um I mean nothing to do about that they seem to be quite unfortunate in in a lot of the races and this time without any of their own wrongdoing but um but yeah that um I don't know. It it was I was really hoping for the Alfa Romeos to actually score some points on a track where their car seemed to be performing really well. But um yeah, um I think I I, I sort of lost track of what I I started talking about strategies, but uh, um yeah, it was it was it was nice. Uh, I kind of like it when um, when uh, there's a lot of degradation and and I was actually surprised that they went for the softest sets uh, of tires Pirelli for this uh, for this weekend, but I kind of like it. I mean, um, this this way um strategy does really come into play also because of not having any safety cars. it was sort of like a clean play out of the different strategies that all the teams um uh uh, took and uh, because of having less tires available uh, a lot of people had to use uh, tires that were already used in the qualifying session which um, which is also interesting because it, it it brings over some element of strategy from the Saturday to the Sunday which I think some of the teams were complaining about but for us as spectators I don't know if it's necessarily a, a bad thing but um, yeah all in all uh, I think uh, in, in that aspect it was a it was a very nice race Um, What do you think, um, Carmen, about uh, what what happened on that first lap?
2: Yeah, I was heartbroken. (laughs) Um, No, I think it was very unfortunate because, I mean, Joe, if you see his onboard, he, he really, like, pushed. Well, he was making up those positions. And I don't know what happened, but he literally ran, like, onto Daniel. Uh, so it was very unfortunate, but also talking about the start, I think we have to mention Piastri because he did amazing without double overtake, I think it was, because it was Hamilton and Norris. And it, he was great. Um, I was very surprised and very happy for him because he really is making progress as well as McLaren, I think. The car is having upgrades, but also Piastri is adapting very well. So he was great. And um, yeah, talking about tire degradation, I think we could see it with, I think it was, yeah, it was uh, Joe. You could see the hard tires getting warm immediately after putting them on. Uh, I, like with Joe, when he when he bid for tires. I think he pit, and then the last, the the, um, the next lap he did, he set a fastest lap. So it was very exciting to see the degradation and how easy it was to have the tires like warm. And it, it, it was it was great. I actually enjoy how everything played out with the tires and the strategies and the pit stops because there were some that were pretty bad. But, yeah, the that first lap was chaos, and I enjoy it.
0: It's actually a really good point that you're making there about Joe setting the fastest lap right after he put the tires on, because not only did Joe do that, but, like, one lap, exactly one lap before that, Bottas pitted, and he did the very same thing. So it was actually even Joe taking the fastest lap from Bottas, who had already set it also after his first full lap with hard tires. So that was... Indeed, very surprising, and it happened twice with both Alpha Romeo. So uh, it's, it's yeah, very well spotted. Um, what, what did you think, Samantha, about the first lap uh, between uh, Verstappen and, and Hamilton? Because, like Carmen was saying, uh, Nor- uh, Piastri had had a great start, but uh, but what about the battle between uh, Lewis and Max?
1: Well, it was a very quick battle, wasn't it? Uh, I think <laughs> <True>. that. Uh, <laughs> Was, there was excitement leading up to it because to see the two of them on the front, uh, at, at, on the front of the grid for the first time since Abu Dhabi of 2021, you know, you have all that in- anticipation because of their history in terms of rivalry. But it was very short-lived. Uh, clearly, Hamilton did not have the best of starts. Verstappen definitely was uh, took advantage and had a great start. And then I would also say that with Piastri like Carmen you had mentioned he was he he definitely he 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 made he he took advantage of that situation he managed to go up the inside of turn one and he even tried battling Verstappen briefly uh halfway through the through the first lap now mind you once once Verstappen was able to stretch his legs he he really did stretch his legs but with that being said, I really think that Piastri has so much potential, and we've said this before, I don't even know if potential is the right word anymore uh, because he, we can see just that he is that talented. And with the McLaren upgrades, the, the part of those upgrades have really amplified and 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 have them excel more in their cornering. So with a track like this, it's you can see the benefit that they're reaping. And, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought the beginning was definitely exciting. Unfortunately, like we mentioned for Joe, it was, uh, I believe, anti-stall that was why he, he obviously was delayed in his start. And caused the chaos that we saw and the unfortunate outcome for Alpine, who yet again goes into another race weekend without any points. Um, so I mean at this point this is this is really creating a dent in their constructors championship, especially against mcLaren now that they're doing so well. Um, but I, I would say that that's the, that the first yeah, the first two laps I would say were were quite interesting and signs obviously capitalized on um increasing, I believe it was five positions. Um, and he he definitely had quite a bit of pace on those soft tires for the for the brief period that he had them.
0: Yeah, and like you were saying, uh, Piastri was fighting out there because not only was he taking it to Max, but also uh, he was fighting during the race with with Paris where he wasn't giving up. Like I think we were talking about that during our previous podcast where a lot of people, when they see a a Red Bull in their mirrors, they just usually let them pass quite easily. Uh, Piastri wasn't going to give up that spot uh, to, to Paris that easily.
1: Oh, seeing him be punchy in that aspect as well, it's it it sheds a little bit of light on how he is as a driver. The fact that as a rookie, he's 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 still in his rookie season, we're not even halfway through the season, and he's battling it out. He's not afraid to get to put his elbows out and he's also making some really intelligent moves when it comes to overtaking and capitalizing on uh timing overall. So it's really it's really exciting to see. Unfortunately, for him, he was uh, he lost his position due to that undercut with Lando. But again, credit to Lando in that moment. Uh, that was really down to mere to mere seconds, but he he knew what he needed to do in order to to be able to take advantage of that p two position. and he did
0: yeah he did because actually the pit stop of norris was even uh, uh, slower than that of piastri but he uh, yeah he he was very fast on those two i think it was two laps that were that were between or just one maybe even that was between the pit stop of uh, of of norris and piastri um i think norris must have felt uh, you know seeing piastri take off after that first lap and and overpassing him uh, i think norris must have felt uh, uh, quite um well anxious to to take that place back but he did in the end um, also I think Joe got a five second penalty for that collision on the first lap another driver that got a penalty was Leclerc for speeding in the pit lane but I think um, it, it wasn't even only the speeding part in the pit lane that uh, got a lot of attention uh, that pit, what was happening again there with that pit stop of, of Ferrari we're, we're going back. I think you know after last year seeing a lot of Pit stops of Ferrari being quite messed up. I think this year the pit stops were actually quite decent so far. But um, but what happened there? I think it was one of the wheels with the wheel guns that didn't work. Yeah, I think I that during exactly that point in,
1: it was it was the wheel gun that failed on him. So he had that situation. Then he has the five second penalty, and I mean I, I just don't know. You really have to dig deep to find the motivation to be able to mentally at this point, I think for him, it's, it's just every weekend consistently, there seems to be something, uh, whether it's out of his control or whether it's a, it's his control. Uh, The five-second speeding in the pit lane is, is a driver's, uh, error and the pit stop itself, (laughs) that, that was something that was out of his control.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's right. But it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's messy to see again, uh, Ferrari having, having trouble there. And, um, I also feel that during the race between Sainz and Leclerc there are some well actually Sainz was was helping Leclerc just before that pit stop quite a bit with keeping Perez behind him and and creating a gap uh uh for for Leclerc but um yeah well then if you make these type of pit stops of course you're not helping yourself at all but um but I guess other than that um it was just not I was expecting Ferrari to be better on this track, to be honest. I mean, it seems to be a track that that um, suits their car. But in the end, um, neither during qualifying nor during the race, they were very outstanding,
2: yeah, and I was just gonna say that also talking about Ferrari's tragedy, I think, like I don't know if you noticed when signs uh, had Paris, um, like on the back, he he was like, He was talking to his engineer and he just told him, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pit when I tell, well, when I can tell that Paris is gonna pass me. So the drivers are literally doing their own strategy now. And I think that is just a reflection of what's happening at Ferrari because as, as Anton said, they appeared that they were like kind of dealing, with better strategies and better pit stops this year, but I think, like, both of their drivers are completely and mentally, like, bad right now. They are having everything against them. They are so unlucky, and there's always something going wrong there. So they are taking matter, in, like, into their own hands. And I think I, I actually find... Um, well, I found that Carlos was trying to, like, make his tragedy like pretty like I don't know if it's it funny, but it was just surprising.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. They are determining their own strategies, and in, in I think science is just a little bit better, well, at least a little bit more confident than Leclerc is in that aspect. Um, and um, but what I was surprised I, because of Leclerc having that five second penalty. Um, and Russell actually not you know finishing higher up not overtaking him on the track i was i was waiting for Sainz also to make up a couple of seconds and and actually finish within that 5 second reach of leclerc and and thereby scoring more points but he didn't manage to do that so yeah on 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 strategy um, i find signs to be quite a bit more confident than leclerc but in the end uh, performance wise i don't know he's he's also not really showing that he should be uh, considered um, well, I, I know they don't want to talk about first and second driver, but um, but it's pretty obvious that Leclerc is the first driver there, and, and so for signs to prove that uh, he should be considered there too, he he's just also not putting in the performances to really say that he uh, really performs better than Leclerc. Leclerc, you can't really say that. I think they're, they're yeah they're equally good or bad most of the time.
1: I think that they're both extremely talented drivers and and I agree with you. I I think that the issues with Ferrari stems it's multi-layered clearly there there's a there's issues across that garage whether it is uh strategy, whether it is pit stops, whether it is in some cases driver error. Even we've seen penalties given to them over um impedings that could be a result of the driver but also the communication so I really think that it's multi-layered in terms of the issues within the team itself maybe the the frustration is trickling into into a lot of areas including these drivers and it is projecting itself out on the track but one can only hope that we don't have to go through next weekend another podcast where we are talking about that because we would all love to see them do well uh and it is it is heartbreaking at times to see them struggling time and time again because time and time again i will go into every race weekend hoping for the best for ferrari
0: yeah i think we all do and um it it's it's sad to say but we need to move up those hopes again for yet another weekend um <laughs> And, an, and another reoccurring topic in these podcasts, and, and I'm gonna ask both of you to shine a bit of light on, on, on your thoughts there. Um, what do you actually think about, because uh, Perez got driver of the day, right? And um, we, he qualified ninth, and he had a race where he overtook a lot of people, finished third, had a decent strategy. Um, should Perez be happy? about how this weekend unfolded for him? Can you be happy driving a Red Bull, finishing third at the moment, knowing what the performance of the car is? Or should he actually already just be happy he's been doing quite a bit better than the previous few weekends? Uh, what do you what do you think? I, I want to hear it from, from the Mexican first. So, Carmen, please let me know what you think.
2: I mean, he's definitely happy uh, because of his ego. Uh, so he has to be happy. But I don't know. I, like, personally, I wouldn't be, like, secure. Like, I I don't know what's going on in his mind, but I think he's happy that everything played, like, his way this weekend at the end. Because, of course, the first two, two days weren't the best for him. But, um... I don't want to sound biased, you know, Um, I mean, it's not a secret, I personally don't really like him, but it's not that I'm waiting for his downfall, you know, Um, but yeah, I I mean, if I were him, I wouldn't be happy at all, because in the long term, this is not going to be like, you cannot be that inconsistent having the car he has he's he cannot uh drive a red bull and just be happy because everything turned out and he's be in a race out of i don't know like it, he's he's just very inconsistent like i wouldn't be happy with myself doing that because as we know red bull is like they know when you have a problem and if they notice that, they're gonna sack you. They're not gonna uh, help you and nurture you and be happy with you because one day you'll get there. They're just gonna sack you. So I wouldn't be completely sure about myself. And I think it was great for him because he can get, he like, I think he could get like a little bit of satisfaction out of this weekend. But in the long term, that is not going to work out. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens.
0: Well, to me, you sound like the least biased Mexican that I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that was a very good uh, anal- analysis of um, of his weekend. And, and, yeah, I think it's a good point. I think he probably already is happy that it wasn't another big mess up. But but really, Sam, what, what, what do you think?
1: I think that we know that there's a lot of pressure with Red Bull being the second driver. There's no doubt about that. It's clear that his issues consistently rely or are, are more a reflection of mentally, possibly the pressure of being in that second driver's seat over the past X amount of races. I think that It's still redeeming that he managed to make it onto the podium because he was one of the most aggressive drivers out there this weekend uh, when it comes to the race. And he had some really great overtakes. Does that mean though that you are at the caliber that Red Bull wants you to be at as a second driver? I don't think so. That's that's the big question I believe is if he was in a car, if he was in a different car (laughs) on the grid, I think that we would be looking at it and saying that it was a a successful weekend. I think the challenge more so lies in the fact that he is in the top team as the second driver and the expectation is that much higher. And right now, I think that he's been struggling with it. It is very clear. And we'll see how the rest of this year progresses. We still have a lot more races to go, which means that the pressure is not gonna go away. And it's really going to come down to how he handles it moving forward practice the issue that he had going into the wall that was he hit the grass he went wide that was an easy driver error that typically you shouldn't be making but then he comes back during the race but again like you said Anton during qualifying managing to finish p8 in a red bull it's it's underwhelming so it's hit or miss I still think it's to be determined. He also has a situation now where he has Ricardo and Alfatari. Do we believe that that Ricardo has the potential to take his seat? I don't know. Big question mark there. But do we believe that it adds pressure to him? Absolutely. I think that it would
0: it was even it was even p9 because alonso finished p 8 so yeah p9. but, but p9, on, right. a, on a more on a more positive note though he is part of the sequence that red bull managed to set with the 12 wins in a row because he is playing his part there winning the baku race winning the saudi race so at least um yeah and and i think the, the constant discussion is whether max would be able to run uh, the constructor championship by himself um Actually, on both races in Baku and in Saudi, I think Max finished second. So even if Paris wouldn't have been there, but anyway, they set the they set that streak. That's a new record, um, taking the record of um, of of McLaren from, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's 88. Um so that's um, yeah, that's a that's a positive note. That's something that the whole team can celebrate. Um, other than that, of course, Max also broke the record of uh, seven straight wins. I think that record's was, um, was held by uh, uh, Rosberg, Vettel, Schumacher and Ascari, if I'm not mistaken. So Verstappen now sets eight wins in a row. Uh, they're not all eight. Um, yeah, well, they are all, all, all eight in the same season. Of course, we have a few more races in the season also to do so um, compared to uh, well, years back. But um, yeah, I think that's um, it's something that uh, well, do you think, I mean, he can possibly extend that too. I mean, he's not, he might not be done yet with that record. So um, how, how far do you think he can, he, can, he can take that this season?
1: I mean, the sky's the limit, right? <laughs> he, he's, been, he's been consistent time and time again. And even during this race itself, he, he was, I think he managed 24 laps on that first set of mediums that he was on while everybody else was pitting. And he, he, had, he had a flawless race. Yet again, I mean, yes, there there is the the car is undeniably fast, but the skill of the driver itself is is unparalleled at this point this year when it comes to Verstappen. He actually, further to that, uh, the the wins that he's had in a row, he he now also has more wins than any other Red Bull driver.
0: Right, actually, you know what's interesting because you mentioned there that he did that long stint on the mediums, which he did. But um, I, was, I was just looking because I wondered whether anybody else had done a longer stint on a medium tire. So uh, then looking through the data, I found that Ricardo, he pitted on, he pitted twice, right? So he went from mediums to hards, and then he pitted on lap 29 from mediums, uh, sorry, from hards to medium. And then he did the rest of the race on those medium tires. So he basically drove uh, wow. 50 laps on, on those medium tires, which... That that was I, I I don't I don't know if I, I didn't notice it during the race, but uh, I thought that that was quite uh, quite impressive too.
1: That's a really good point. And he managed to finish in thirteenth.
0: And those were actually mediums that he had already used during I don't know whether it's the qualifying or whether the it was a free practice session, but they were used medium tires that he used for for fifty laps. So that was that was quite surprising. I don't think there were even a lot of cars that 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 amount of laps on on. On hearts i think album did uh, a very long stint on hearts as well but uh but yeah that was uh quite um, quite impressive i think what would be interesting um because we're gonna segue into um into a little bit about the scores but now that i'm talking about ricardo i think it would be a good time to also uh hear a little bit about carmen um can you can you just tell us a little bit about uh well, first of all, how you got into Formula One, but also why you're such a, a Danny Rick fan. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I like him too. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you just tell us a little bit about, about that? How did you start watching Formula One?
2: Oh, I'm probably going to get cancelled. <laughs> now, I I got into Formula One because of DTS. Um, I've always been a huge fan of sports, like football. Um, the NFL, you know, like American football and MotoGP. I, like, I've always loved sports. They're a a huge part of my life. But I've never really give, like, Formula One the chance. Um, I was one of those people, like, who said, "Who who, like, on the right mind wakes up? Because, of course, in Mexico, the times are pretty early for us, like for the races. So I've always thought like who on the right mind uh like wakes up on a Sunday at 7 a.m. to watch cars, you know, like going on circles. <laughs> I I was one of those people. Uh and then I watched DTS. When I watched it, I think there were uh three seasons. I literally like, watched the three seasons in a week. And the next week after I finished it, it was the Azerbaijan Grand Prix the 2021. And that was the first race I watched. And I completely fell in love. So, me, being me, I was like, okay, I'm going to start liking Formula 1. So, I really have to go in there. So, I started uh, watching previous races, like, old races. I, like um i wanted to to know more about the history you know past champions um the the things are that well the only thing that i'm pretty like i'm still learning it's you know like the technical stuff because i've never uh like like engineering or things like that but uh, yeah, I literally fell in love with Formula One. And now I am the person who wakes up on a Sunday at 7am to watch cars, not going in circles, but on the most beautiful tracks I've ever seen in my life. So um yeah, that's that's how I got into Formula One. And actually, like talking about Daniel Ricciardo, he wasn't the first driver that I liked. Um, the first driver that I liked was Lando Norris. But then, um, I don't know, like, I really like watch a lot of videos outside of uh, DTS. And I found him, I don't know, like, there was something that I was like, yeah, I don't know if I like Lando or not. Because, I mean, at first you have to start with their personalities. That's the first thing that... Can catch your eye, especially going through DTS. Um, and I can't remember exactly um, when did I start liking Daniel, but I liked him, you know, as a person or at least the character um, he plays in all the videos. And um, and I started liking him, and then I started watching, you know, his Red Bull era, his Renault era and everything and I was like okay he's also a great driver so he is my guy that's how I got into Formula One and into Daniel Ricciardo I think it's
1: hard not to like Daniel Ricciardo at this point he's just the most lovable driver on the track and uh, he 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 always has a smile and he seems to put a lot of smiles on everybody else's face that's for sure
2: (laughs) yeah definitely
0: yeah, he is wearing a smile, but but at, but at the same time, I, I feel like he's 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 holding a knife in his hand uh, when Paris turns around. That he, he, you know, he because I can't just imagine that Ricardo is happy driving an time. I mean, yeah, he must be happy being on the grid now, but uh, I think he's got his aim set for that other Red Bull seat. And um, even though you know, you'll hear people like Horner uh, come on the interviews and say that at this point in time. Well, the, the, basically, he says that um, Pires and Verstappen are their drivers for next season, but you just know that with Red Bull, nothing is for certain, and and um, yeah, Ricardo's definitely gonna go for it, and um, I don't know, fair game to him. I think uh, it's it's uh, a decent chance for him, a decent opportunity to show that he's quicker than Toio. I think he had um, he outqualified him, he finished higher in the race, even though he must have picked up a little bit of damage on that first lap i imagine i mean he was hit from behind and at uh, at the front as well i don't think he ever changed his um his his front wing either so um yeah with that happening i think it was quite a uh, a good result for him finishing um i think he finished 13th if i'm not mistaken yeah. so um yeah uh, i mean not a bad first weekend for him uh, i think it also um takes off a little bit of the pressure although i think he's actually a guy that can pretty much a deal with pressure i think actually quite a bit better than 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 checo can but um, yeah we're going to see that in the next couple of races although yeah there's just one race now before we have the summer break and everyone can recalib- uh, recalibrate a little bit but actually that might have been although yeah i don't think we well we didn't talk about it yet uh, about nick uh, being sacked by uh, red bull because that happened after the last podcast uh, but um you know looking at it now um, and I do understand that um, it's good for Daniel to already have had two races before the summer break so that he, he already gets back into his rhythm a little bit. And then the second half of the season, you know, he's he's ready from the start and he can really uh, prove his worth. But um, yeah, other than that, uh, that's a really nice story, Carmen, of how you got into... You know, I, 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 I personally don't think uh, people, um, or maybe people will think something about starting to watch it through DTS. But in the end, I don't think it really matters how you get into the sport and how you get to watch it. I think all that matters is that you, (laughs) well, if you like it, that you stick with it and that you enjoy it. I mean, um, yeah, in the end, who cares how you come in touch with it? I actually think that it's really great that it, it really has announced the audience for Formula One. There's tons of people watching it now, tons of young people too. And uh, I think your story is actually a great example of, of, of somebody that had no clue and actually found out through a, a television show like that, like how exciting something can really be. And now you're hooked and that's great. And well, uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot more to come this season, hopefully to enjoy for you with, with Daniel Rick in that seat. Yeah,
2: I'm
1: very excited. Yeah. And and I just I just to further what you said, Anton, like I, I completely agree when you say it doesn't matter where it doesn't matter how you get involved into Formula One as an interest in the sport. I've, many of us have all different stories as to how we we came to be to love the sport itself, and it, it's like any sport, right? If you find you have a story as to why, maybe uh, when it was hockey for me, it was my it was my dad putting on the TV and I just saw the sport itself, and then all of a sudden I started to love it. So we all have a story, uh, whether it's DTS, whether it's something else. And I think that's what makes it beautiful is that we come from all different walks of life and we have we, we have all different reasons as to what brought us to this, smor- this sport that not only is exciting for all of us to watch, but also ends up building a great sense of community as well.
0: Yeah, and if you want to hear how Sam and I got into Formula One, then I suggest you listen to our first Clumsy podcast episode that we recorded in, uh, in, when was it, in March when the season started, or before oh the season goodness. started, actually.
1: I, I, be clumsy, clumsy. That's, that's the right word because, yeah, we, we, I mean, we're still a work in progress, right? We always will be. But yes, that was, that was our first episode and that took us a very long time to record. <laughs> <laughs> True.
2: Oh, but you, you get a start somewhere, you know, and I think it's, that's it. Amazing how long you've, like you know how far you've come, and yeah, I mean it's pretty interesting. I like, um, for example, when like I got into Formula One, and a year after I was ready on a plane to Spain, and I went to the Spanish Grand Prix last year. So it was literally a nice. year. After. So yeah, I'm very grateful that opportunity came up, and it was great. So yeah, I definitely want to hear your stories of how you <laughs> how you got into Formula uh, 01 I'll have to to catch up on the podcast
0: nice yes. no that's actually cool so you <laughs> went to that grand prix I think what well, well I think Verstappen won the Spanish grand prix last year didn't he yeah it was, it was a one-two for Red Bull
2: yeah it was Verstappen, Checo, uh, Russell
0: Russell yeah yeah you're right yeah and and yeah, okay. No, that's nice. I didn't know you went to that Grand Prix. And you went to the Mexican one as well last year or not?
2: Um, I only went to the practice. Like, I went to Friday. Just, like, my okay. boyfriend got the tickets. And we were so happy. We like we were going to be able. Because here in Mexico, like, if you want to buy tickets for the Grand Prix, you can only buy the three-day bundle. You cannot buy single-day tickets. mm so it's pretty like hard to get tickets. That can be
1: quite costly.
2: Yeah, also. And I mean, I think before having Las Vegas and Miami, uh, Mexico was one of the highest, like, the, you know, the... Um...
0: One of the most expensive ones. Yeah, I think I heard that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that kind of surprised me in a way. But, uh, but I heard that too, yeah.
2: Yeah, for example... Um, Talking about it, you uh, like getting a like a good ticket here in Mexico, it was gonna be more expensive to me than going all the way to Spain with the Barcelona ticket.
1: My goodness,
2: yeah.
0: That's that's actually quite sad in a way um, that it's you know it's not it doesn't really sound very accessible in that sense.
2: Yeah, I mean. There are tickets that are accessible, but like a good ticket.
0: Yeah, I understand. Yeah, if you want to sit in like the arena section, I think tickets over there are very expensive and they're sold out very quick.
2: Yeah, like literally it was more expensive to me instead of... that. That's why I went to Spain and it was more affordable for me.
0: Well, nice that at least you got to, to go to a Formula One race. That's nice.
2: Oh, yeah, it's amazing. I had a really good time. I mean, I was alone but it was, it was pretty good.
1: It's very true, there's nothing else like seeing it live. Okay, so I guess it is that wonderful time where we go over the scores, and Carmen, you and I will be doing the guessing. Um, I will say this if, as we all know, I don't do so well. So looking forward to hearing what, how your results are going to be. But with that being said, Anton, how many people played this weekend?
0: It's nice how you start with a disclaimer, each episode of how you're not going to do very well in this (laughs) course, but uh, we'll see about that in a bit. Uh, There were four.
1: I need to always set the bar low. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's one strategy. Um. Anyway, yeah, so there were 473 people that played the game this weekend. And we had a pretty decent average score too, which was 48.2. And I'm going to go through a couple of the stats. But before that, just to warm up, I'm going to ask the both of you, how many people you think that had the podium correctly predicted with Verstappen, Norris and Pires?
1: What do you think? Carmen, you go first on this one.
2: Oh, I don't think there were many, honestly. Um, probably like, I don't know, 52 people. Okay. I'm going to say number nine.
0: Gee, <laughs> Sam, you're kicking off really well. The disclaimer you shouldn't have done because it's, it's nine people. Woohoo.
1: I'm redeeming myself. Well, <laughs> in the first question, there's still a lot to
2: go, but yeah. yeah i was i was definitely off
0: (laughs) and and we we're recording quite quickly after the podcast so i don't even think you would have had the time to go over all the uh, predictions that are posted online just to see how many people i don't think you would have had the time or you did that very quickly
1: quick quickly after the race (laughs) event and uh no i did not look at any results we literally i finished the race and then we basically had an hour and segued into the podcast so nope no cheating for me
0: all right well then full credits to you because that's uh that's uh, that's a very good guess uh unfortunately it's it's not gonna count towards the points that we're gonna count later on but anyway let's uh, let's look a little bit at um the scores for this weekend and who actually finished on the forecast podium so the p1 for this weekend was ataya magviro from indonesia scoring 92 points and that's yeah. actually uh a joint record, matching the record of Andrew Berger uh, from last season, scoring 92 points on a non-sprint weekend. So we have people score more points than that, but that's the highest score that has ever been scored on a non-sprint weekend. Um, He got the 92 points by having P1 correct, P2 correct, P3 correct, P4 correct, P5, P3 also correct, P6 correct, and a point for fastest lap and scoring two points for, for signs and one for Alonso. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty flabbergasted by that because um, I think it's pretty well, it's, it's, <laughs> I think it's a pretty uh, impressive prediction with putting uh, the McLarens on the right place, putting, well, basically getting P1 until P6 correct.
1: Oh, that's unbelievable. Talk about having your pulse on the actual predictions. That's, that's an incredible result.
0: Yeah, it's 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 really quite impressive. Then P2 was only a few points behind that, only two and a half points less. That was Niels van Beek from the Netherlands, who actually is playing for the first time this this weekend. So uh, I mean, I, I don't think I ever scored 98 or 89 and a half points. So congratulations on that too, getting also uh, the first five positions correct. So also had both McLarens uh, at the right spot and had uh, P8 correct, and P10, and fastest lap. So, uh, also an extremely high score. And uh, the third place this weekend was scored by Hamoud Monti from Saudi Arabia with 81.5 points. And it's actually the first time that a player from Saudi makes it to the podium of forecast. He also had a lot of positions correct. P1, P4, P5, P6, P7, and fastest lap. Uh, And a couple of points for Alonso and Sainz. So, um, So, that's very impressive. Other than that, we had a Hungarian in the top 20. We don't have many Hungarian players in this weekend, but I thought it was quite uh, quite nice to see that actually a Hungarian made it to the top 20 on his home Grand Prix, also in the first week of playing. So that was actually uh, Baritza Mark. And um, congratulations to him. I think it was a very good start of, uh, of playing the game. Uh, quite a bit of catching up to do to uh, to get up there because of not scoring any points on the first 10 weekends. But uh, anyway, I mean, uh, with that kind of a start, every, anything is possible.
1: Me first this weekend, that's great. Great result to all
2: of them. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I think it's pretty impressive. I mean, I definitely do not have that luck.
0: Well, we're going to look at our scores in a little bit too, but let's first look at um, the ongoing league with uh, cumulative points. So there were no changes because our P1 scored 48 points and actually thereby extends his lead. So he was, uh, his lead was shrinking. Uh, I think it was 3.6 points between him and the number two. But that lead has now grown again to 7.6 points. So Tobias Jolie from France is still there on P1. Uh, on P2 we still have Philip Hovayek from Lebanon. He scored 44 points. And um, Jesus Diaz is on P3 from Uruguay. He scored 48, 49 points. So the first three positions are unchanged. And there are now six players actually that uh, have crossed the 600 mark points. So um, a 600 points mark. So um, the leader actually now has 637.1 points. There were two people that, um, so actually the P1 and the P2, so that were uh, Ataya and Niels that make it into the worldwide high scores top 20 as well. They make it to P9 and P15 respectively. So I think it's time to also look at the scores that we scored. Um, Samantha, you went with a podium of Verstappen, Russell, Leclerc. So uh, how many points (laughs) do you think that got you?
1: Um, not a lot, clearly. I have no idea. But if I'm, I'm just going to randomly guess, maybe 28 altogether.
0: Uh, A few more points. You scored 33 points. So, um, so that's, uh, that actually made you to... Um, P440 out of the 473 people that played, um, although that's still higher than Ajit, and because Ajit scored only 29.1 <laughs> points. <laughs> although I Ajit. gotta give credit to Ajit that he did call Norris P2, so um, so he actually did. he sco- scored full points for that, but he had Leclerc on P1 and Alonso on P3, so yeah, um, sorry, Ajit, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's again not, but you'll, you'll, I'm sure. There's going to be a, a Ferrari win one time and we're all going to applaud uh, the, your score.
1: We'll definitely make mention of it on the podcast when that happens. That needs to be a moment.
0: <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for it to mean, I would really actually like to see one of the Ferraris winning, winning one of on the weekends, but, um, but yeah, let's see how long we need to wait for that. Um, Sam, you moved from P66 in the competition now to P104. But that actually means you're wow. still ahead of me because um, I did score a few more points than you. I had a podium of Verstappen, Pires, Hamilton, so I had Pires and Hamilton the wrong way around. I scored 45.8 points and um, actually, yeah, that didn't get me much further either because I was on P100 and I'm on P110 right now. So uh, so you're still ahead of me, six places. We're, we're very close to one another in the competition.
1: Close. We seem to always be trending quite close, though, and and our predictions on our predictions at times are actually quite similar. But I've been trying to I've been trying to break the mold a bit. Didn't work this week, though.
0: Yeah, I guess they say great minds think alike, but I guess weaker minds might also think quite alike. Um, anyway. <laughs> hey, watch it. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're in the same boat there. So, um, uh, actually, Carmen outscored both of us by quite a bit. Uh, you had a podium, Carmen, of uh, Verstappen, Leclerc, Alonso. So you got Verstappen, right? Didn't get points for Leclerc and Alonso, but you did have Hamilton on P4, and you did have Piastri on P5, and you did have Russell on P6. So you scored 58 points, actually. It's just, that's a really good score. i
2: I'm impressed. Very nice. The. Worst- Yeah, the worst thing is that, thank you, (laughs) the worst thing is that I remember I, um, when Quali ended, I remember I left Norris out and I was like, oh my God, that's not going to be good. But hey, it wasn't that bad. I was predicting worse.
1: Yeah. Well, well, and you had Diastri in the right spot. Exactly. That's, That's nice. That's
0: impressive actually out of everyone in this weekend playing, you were 88th. And with that, you move from P156 to 137. So you're you're actually out of the three of us, the only one that's actually moving up with the score of this weekend.
2: Wow. I'm so happy.
0: So I think before we go to the quiz, I want to do like a sort of pre-quiz uh, because of Daniel Rick getting back. One of the things I was seeing that, um, A lot of people had a bit more confidence in in Rick than in uh, De Vries because De Vries you wouldn't regularly see in in top 10 predictions. But uh, um, yeah, Ricardo was, um, I think you were one of them, Carmen. You had him on P10, if I'm not mistaken. Did you put him in your top 10, uh, Samantha?
1: I did not, no. no.
0: Neither did I. But my question for both of you is how many people do you think had him in their top 10?
1: Okay, I'm going to say I'm going to say 62.
2: Um, I'm gonna go with 33.
0: I actually wrote down for each single position, but I didn't add it all up. So just just to get it right. <laughs> just...
1: So you asked the question and you weren't prepared. That's great. I was, I was not <laughs> that prepared. actually makes it funner. I
0: was not prepared at all. <laughs>
1: But it is a good question to ask I'm just to be adding honest with because... in my
0: in my mind so um it is a lot more people than that. it was 138 people who put him in their top 10
1: wow listen i think i'm so happy yeah the, i think that's great that that speaks to the confidence that everyone had and likely also the optimism that everyone was feeling when it came to Ricardo coming back and hoping that he was going to do well and he still managed to do well i mean 13th is is not a bad result considering what he was up against so you never know next next weekend we may see him in the top 10 i think that it's possible
0: perhaps it was also a bit of wishful thinking involved I, i'm curious to see how many people are going to put him in their top 10 next weekend but from from out of all these people what do you think uh, was the highest position that anybody had put him in
2: I mean, you go first on mm-hmm. this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think probably seven yeah, being way too optimistic okay
0: there was somebody who had him on p three Wow yeah, so there were there was one exactly. person that had him on p three and there were both five people who had him on p four and five on on p five then only two people on P6, there were 7 people who had him on P7, 18 people who had him on P8, 29 on P9, and then 71 people who had him on P10. Hmm.
2: So there is actually one that is even more delusional than I am. <laughs> oh,
0: <no. laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you're just a fan. You're not delusional. I mean, P10, I, I was actually, I was considering to put uh, no on P10, just to you know um I was already expecting that a lot of people would go with Ricardo and then Tsunoda actually came uh, I, I think he
1: well, he finished uh, in well, he finished in 15th I, I this, this weekend.
0: The, yeah, but I th- I thought that the Tauris were going to do quite well cuz um I think they they have a well they have a horrible car but I thought that actually this would be the one track where they might have a decent car like top speed's not that important but um yeah yeah, okay. Let's uh, forget about my prediction. Anyway, I didn't put them on P10. I put Gasly on P10, but Gasly's race was over quite quickly uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Let's let's not go there. Let's go instead to actual point scoring quiz and we're going to go into um all the top 10 positions and fastest lap and I'm going to ask um one by one. So, Sam, you can start with the first one, obviously being Verstappen. How many people do you think got him on p1 um, out of the 473 people that played and every time uh, the person that gets closer gets a point and I'm, I'm scoring the points between the two of you just to see who who wins this quiz
1: well first of all that's great there was 473 people this weekend that's that's awesome i think out of 473 people i'm gonna say over 400 jos verstappen is p1
0: Yeah, over 400, so you're saying 400 or you're saying a different number? 400. Okay.
2: 400.
0: (laughs) I'm writing down 400. Sorry, I'm getting confusing. 400. All right. right. Carmen, how many people do you think predicted P1 for stopping out of 473 people playing?
2: I think 435 people.
0: Well, so Samantha, you were correctly predicting nine people who had a correct podium. Carmen is getting really, really, really close with this one. So you're only one off. It was four hundred thirty six people that that put for stop on p one
1: very nice.
0: so that's that that point's definitely going nice. to you. <laughs> and you can bite it off with the next prediction with p two Norris. So that's actually an interesting one. So, um after the Silverstone race, how many people do you think? went for Norris that high up and put him on P2. We already heard that Ajit was one of those uh, people, so I'll, I'll give you that it was at least one, but how many people do you think in total?
2: Like around 158. Sam? Hmm. I'm going to say
1: 130.
0: Well, it was not that many. It was uh, 45 people who had him on P2, so, uh, so that point is going to Sam. <laughs> I'm not going to get overly
1: excited on my one point yet. We'll we no, still have well, a lot more to No, well, that's at least one
0: point, and that's one point in the back <laughs> at
1: least. One point. Yes. Woohoo!
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> so then is Perez on P three? How many people put Perez there? Sam, you go first.
1: Hmm.
2: I'm going to say two hundred and one. I'm going to go with three hundred twenty-four.
0: No, so there was not that many people who had Peters on P3. There were 75 people. So with Sam having the lowest guess, is going to score this point as well.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I was still way off, but I'll take it.
0: Exactly. So then Hamilton on P4. Carmen goes first.
2: I think it was like 315.
0: Sam.
1: guess actually that is a good guess because i think there's going to be a high number i'm going to go with what was uh you know what no i'm going to i'm going to stick around the 200s though i'm going to say 275
0: okay it was again much lower than both of you are guessing so it was 96 people <laughs> so again it's the lowest guess that takes the point and that's sam
1: it's like i'm i'm way off though so <laughs> but I'll, like i said i'll take the points <laughs>
0: I think uh, Ajit and uh, Sven are probably biting their nails and thinking they could have won this one, but uh, but but they're not here, so they're not winning.
1: Oh, they probably <laughs> could have. <laughs> Stay tuned for another podcast. Maybe we'll we'll see.
0: So we we, <laughs> we go to uh, Piastri on P five. So remember that actually last time when um, Piastri finished uh, fourth in Silverstone, there was not a single person that predicted that. So. Right after his result in Silverstone, how many people went with a P5 score for him? And I think it's Sam that goes first. Yeah,
1: going to stick to the 30s. I'm gonna say 35.
0: Carmen,
2: I'm gonna say 43.
0: Okay, well, both of you are uh, quite a bit closer now. Actually, Sam, you're only one off because it was 34 people. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
2: We should stick to the lowest numbers.
1: I know. I, I'm I'm starting to sense the trend. <laughs> it, it took me a few times to realize that clearly. Uh, it, what you know? What I think is interesting, though, is and I always try to find the the strategy behind everybody's picks when it comes to these numbers, depending on the fluctuation of the race and and the race prior and how the drivers are faring or the teams are faring during that time. It's interesting because we're so used to seeing, especially in the podium standings, uh, or even the top five, like we're used to seeing drivers with higher numbers. I'm assuming that the reason why these numbers are less is because of the fact that McLaren is doing better. So it's widening the gap in terms of opportunities of drivers that you could put in those positions, right? Where maybe at the start of the season, we were more confident in putting Let's say Alonso on the podium with Perez. And now all of a sudden, after Aston Martin hasn't been doing so well, maybe people are not as confident and it's opening up the gap for McLaren or whatever the case may be. But it's, in- it's interesting to see the difference in numbers and the fact that they are a lot lower this weekend when it comes to the positions in the top five.
0: Yeah, you're right. And because of the... Well, I mean, we all see that this season is, is quite predictable on the front end who's going to win it but behind there I mean every, anything is possible so the same goes for predictions you know it's, it's very difficult to, to uh, really know where you're going to put. It, it can go uh, in a lot of different directions so there's quite a large variance in, in, in people putting especially with McLaren like you said I mean there was a lot of people who had the McLarens quite high up but there were also people who like me who didn't I had Norris on P9 and I didn't even have ps3 in my top 10 so there's a lot there's a lot of differences uh, uh and and that's why yeah um well let's let's go to the next one and 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 see whether that one is uh, also a little bit low or high i'm not going to give anything away russell p6 garmin
2: <laughs> you should tell us um <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> that I... will make it a very fun quiz <laughs> of
2: course um I'm going to go a little bit higher now. I think 82 people. I'm going to say
1: 75.
0: Oh, Okay, well, I thought initially that the guess of Carmen was really good because you're only eight away. But uh, Sam's getting even closer because, again, you're just one off. It was 74.
1: Wow, okay. <laughs> Sam, you should
2: totally go buy a lottery ticket.
1: This is what I said. The w- the one podcast we had where I I think I had three right, like right on the number, and I said that I said Anton, I'm gonna go buy a lottery ticket <laughs> because I I didn't.
2: But go buy one. Bob.
1: I, Anton says he's not a fan of the lotteries, but right. either what? way, maybe I I do some <laughs> sort of maybe pro line. Like here here we have pro line, which is like sports betting. You bet on on teams. Maybe I do something like that. I could I could see something. I don't know. It's doubtful though. My track record isn't that great.
0: <laughs> so much for for Sam. Very guy. Very good.
1: Oh right, that's true. I guess
0: <laughs> no sponsorship yet. I, yeah, I never heard of it. And I don't think I'm gonna look it up anyway. So uh, so we're safe. I hope. Anyway, um, P seven Leclerc, Sam.
1: I'm gonna stick to the 30s again. I'm gonna say. 36.
0: Carmen. I'm,
2: I'm going to go lower, 27.
0: So it's a little bit higher than that. So there was 49 people who had Leclerc over there. So it's, uh, it's, it's a point for Sam, um, which actually means that it's already 6 to 1, but, uh, but we're going to continue regardless. Um, so <laughs> we're going to go who finished after Leclerc. It's going to
1: continue. Thys. You're going to continue until I get one way off. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, 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 it's just for fun in the end. So, Um, I know. (laughs) So who's up first? I think it's Carmen who got to go with science who finished P8. Go with
2: 62 people.
1: I'm going to say 21.
0: This one is going to Carmen because it was 83 people.
1: Very nice. At least two points.
0: Exactly. And then we have Alonso, who finished on P9,
1: scored two points. Okay. Alonso, I'm going to say it's low. I'm going to say 12.
2: You're kidding. I was going to say 12. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go with um, 14.
0: A good decision, because that scores you the point. There was 40 people, so you get closer.
1: Few <laughs> for P9, That's Alonso. Good.
0: Yeah. True. Um, what about the other uh, Aston Martin stroll on P10? Um,
2: 23.
1: I'm going to say 62.
0: Ah, uh, You're pretty close there with 62. It was 68. Okay. So <laughs> that means we go to the last point, which is the bonus point for fastest lap, which for stop and took on lip, lap 53, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so how many people had for in there on Fastest lap? And this one goes to Sam first.
1: I'm going to say 398.
2: I'm going to go with 433.
0: All right. Well, Sam, you're actually, again, pretty close. Just four places off. It was um, 394 rather than eight. So that's, that's, that's very good. Okay means you got 7 no you means you got 8 points 8 against 3
2: well i mean i'm staying on brand with the 3 yeah that's very true actually <laughs>
1: you are staying on brand with 3
0: then you risk 3
1: <laughs> okay so i guess that pretty much wraps most of uh, this podcast up and um, what are we looking forward to next next race so it is spa so i can say personally that i'm very excited because it is one of my favorite tracks uh, but Carmen, let's start with you. What are what are your thoughts going into the next race weekend?
2: I'm so excited to see how everybody like held up with whatever happened in Hungary. Um, I'm also I really want a wet race. I want a race, <laughs> but a little bit of rain, you know. Uh, I think it's very interesting and also like. Something that's gonna happen in Spa, probably. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm actually very happy because I think with Danny Riggs' comeback, I I'm enjoying the race weekends more because I mean, of course, I still watch Formula One, but you know, having him again, like your favorite driver on track, it always adds up. So. I am very happy because it is that way. Um, I'm still so sorry for Nick, I have to say it, because we have an knowledge Nick. Um, but yeah, I I really want to see how everyone does. And I'm not hoping for Max's downfall, but I really hope for a new race winner. OK. Yeah,
0: I would, I would really like to see somebody else than a driver in a Red Bull take a win. Of course, we got two chances for that because Spa is actually a sprint weekend, so uh, we're going to see two races, one on the Saturday and one on the Sunday, which also brings a larger chance for there being some rain during the weekend. I haven't looked at the weather forecast yet, but uh, I definitely agree with you there, Carmen. Uh, It would be good to uh, see some changeable conditions. Obviously, uh, wouldn't want to see too much rain in Spa. Uh, that's also dangerous. But uh, but a little bit of uh, a little bit of rain, light rain, would be good. Um, of course, uh, yeah, being a sprint weekend, uh, take into account that you need to make your predictions a little bit earlier because the deadline's twelve hours before qualifying starts. But qualifying for the race starts on the Friday, so that means. You've got to think about your predictions on the Thursday and you're going to go in blind because you're not going to see any practice sessions. So that also mixes it up a little bit, makes it a little bit more difficult. So, um, so don't forget to do that. Uh, other than that, I would also like to say that please take your time to rate us or follow us this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. And we're hoping that you're tuning into us again next weekend. Because, um, yeah, it's only it's only one week um, the races are are coming in quick succession now and then we're going to have to wait a little bit after Spa, unfortunately. Yeah, but um, but but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be an exciting weekend to look forward to. I think, uh, Sam, uh, what are your thoughts?
1: I, I think, again, it's the last it's a last race before the summer break, so it's uh, it's bittersweet in a sense. I am looking forward to it. As I've already mentioned, it is one of my favorite tracks to see. I would like to, there's a couple of teams that I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to shape up because, well, I'll say for one Alpine, I think that Alpine is in a, in a very difficult position right now. And I wonder, you know, during the summer break, if, if, uh, like how things are going to be handled if, if we go into another weekend without both drivers earning any points, I think that it's going to be interesting again to see Ferrari. Hopefully they can end on a high note before the summer break. I think it's also going to be exciting to see McLaren and see how they fare in Spa. Let's see if not only if Norris is in conversation to earn a podium, but if Piastri could possibly earn his first podium, I think he has the potential to do something like that. Also, we are excited about Mercedes, seeing if Russell's going to come back after that uh, mishap during qualifying. See what Hamilton Hamilton can do now that they've found some pace in the car. And of course, there's there's many other conversations that could be left with question marks, right? Alpha and how they fared this weekend. I think all, all in all, it's going to be a very interesting race weekend because of all of these potential factors. But then also, like you said, with the sprint involved, it's going to just add an extra heightened element of anticipation. So I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about uh, after, after that weekend. I hope, I hope it's going to be very eventful and I hope we're going to have a lot to talk about. So uh, that that concludes our episode and I would like to thank you for, for coming on and, and talking to us about the race, Carmen. And um,
1: Yes, thank you, Carmen. And It's been a pleasure.
0: And I hope that you can be on the podcast at, at, at another point in time.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. I had such a great time and of course whenever you want, I'm I'm really happy to be here.
1: Let's hope that the next time we have a conversation and you're here on the podcast, Ricardo's on the podium.
2: Oh, please. That would be amazing. (laughs) I'm probably going to be still crying, but...
0: In which car, Sam?
2: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) very good
1: question. Very good question. Well, I think that if he's on the podium, it would have to be a Red Bull, wouldn't
2: it? I think so. I mean, it would a be a lot amazing if he can do that with an Alphatari.
1: If if he managed to make the podium in an Alphatari, I, I mean, a lot would have to happen in the in a race for that. I think <laughs> yeah. there would be a lot of DNFs in order for Ricardo to make the podium on an, in an Alphatari. But we'll see. Anything anything can happen, right?
2: You know, uh, I'll bet on it. If Ricardo does like get to podium. In the albatory, I'll have the data
0: too. Nice, nice. Okay. <laughs> that's awesome. and I'll get it too. After you get it, we'll have you on the podcast, and we'll t- <laughs> we'll talk about how <laughs> how that was. No, that's that's. I'm gonna keep you to that. If he makes whatever podium you say doesn't, or or it has to be in Alphatari. No, it has to be in Ah, okay. Right. All right, all right. Yeah. That's a shame. I was hoping <laughs> they're gonna put him in a red yeah. bull and he makes the podium. <laughs>
2: Well, you never no, know. No, that that would be just saying I'm gonna get a tattoo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, and a and a race win in a Red Bull would that would that get you a a tattoo?
2: Yeah, I mean, I didn't get one when he won Monza. I was right. Well, I got. I mean, it's not the date. I get a three tattoo would be when he won Monza. Uh, but, okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It was... like, like Zach Brown only he did the track. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Please don't compare me. Yes, Please yes, do not correct. compare
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I can imagine that's not your no, favorite no. character in the sport uh, after no. what happened last year.
2: <laughs> I can understand definitely. that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I'm I'm extremely happy for Orlando and Oscar that they're doing great right now, but I'm definitely not happy because my client or of course Zach Brown, but
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can I can imagine that Zach Brown is not at the top of your favorite team principles.
2: No, Judge has my top.
0: All right. Well, tune in to us after next week's race and with that we say bye. Bye.
1: Bye everybody.